Spirit will continue to stir your faith throughout this message. That as at the close of this message, we're going to, one of the things we're going to pray for is cancer. And cancer will be, has already been defeated by Jesus. And we will see the miracle of heaven happen today. We'll see cancer healed again today because the promises of God are yes and amen. And we have been healed. And so we thank you in advance, God, for what you're going to do today. Cancer is defeated. All right, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And then if you can put your finger over in 1 John chapter 4. Like Pastor Denny said, this is part 2 of the series we started last week titled Facing Your Fears. Now, if you're listening online or by podcast and you're looking for part one, I'm sorry to say you won't find it. Um, through technical difficulties, we lost it. Um, so here is a, a prime example of you don't want to miss a Sunday. Because even though I can give you a couple bullet points from last week, it's just not the same. You needed to have been here. So don't miss any Sunday. When you wake up and you're like, I'm too tired, I'm too sick. I, I mean, if you're looking for excuses, the devil's got plenty of them. But fight against him and don't miss a Sunday. But over and over again, I mean, even I shared a bunch of confirmation, fear not, facing your fears. And then when I got home last week, I mean, hilariously, God kept confirming. I mean, I had Crystal texting me saying, do you realize that we were, the topic for children's ministry was fear not. We didn't talk about it. And that night, Sunday night, I just, I won't tell you the show because I don't want you to judge me. Anyway, I was watching a show that, you know, anyway, I'm watching this and the whole show is about facing your fears, stand up against your fears. And it was, okay, I'll just tell you, it was a Batman, Batman movie. I love Batman. And I'm like laughing the whole time. It's like Batman's preaching my message. And then the next morning I come down from getting ready and the boys are getting getting ready to take them to school. And their devotion was, fear not, facing your fears. I'm like, God is speaking a message to his church. He wants us to know that we do not have to fear. Fear not, fear not. I shared this last week. Fear not is the most repeated command in the Bible. In fact, it's been said that there's 365 fear nots in the Bible. But according to Lloyd Ogilvie in his book, Facing the Future Without Fear, he said there's 366 fear nots in the Bible. One for every day of the year plus leap year. God does not want us to go a single day without hearing his word of comfort. Fear not. 
Last week we focused on fear itself and we still wasn't able to get through it. So I'm going to continue that. Hopefully we'll finish that today. Um, but then I want us to go into uh, some specific fears, the fears of our finances, the difference between our want and our wealth, the fears in faith and stepping out in ministry and stepping out in miracles, the fear of the future, the unknown and the known part of our future. And I believe each week we'll end with the, what the Word of God says is the cure for facing all fear which is receiving God's perfect love. Some main points from last week was that fear is the number one accepted sin in the church today. Yet fear cripples the saint. Fear puts limitations on God by focusing only on what we can do. Fear says we're not big enough, we're not strong enough, we don't have enough. All are we statements, what we can do ourselves. Fear is faith that something bad is going to happen. Worry and anxiety are symptoms of fear. Worry and anxiety are anchored in this world. What you have, what you don't have, what you might lose, none of which are anchored in heaven. Worry and anxiety is believing this world is all there is. Which should not be a part of a Christian's life or mindset. Worry is a weight you were never meant to carry. I mean, that's one of the things I have to admit broke my heart the most in raising kids was when I would see them worry. And I mean, we, we adopted a few boys and... Um, one that was just riddled with worry constantly just broke my heart because, I mean, I would have to get in his face and say, buddy, what are you worried about? I mean, you ever look a six-year-old in the face? Well, I don't know, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow? It's like, you're going to eat, sleep, poop, drink, you know? Yeah, I'm, what's there to worry about at six years old? But that's the enemy. That he wants to whittle his way right into your mind and start sucking the life right out of you. Worry is a weight you are never meant to carry. So here's where I want us to pick up for this week. And in 2 Timothy, see I told you to turn there and I didn't get there. Of course, Pastor Neil already preached this. One sentence. In 2 Timothy 1... Verse 7, it says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. There it is, all in one little sentence. He's told you exactly what he's already given you to overcome any fear. Power, love, and a sound mind. So that's what I want to focus on today, is let's look at those three things one at a time. But I want to end with love. Starting with power. He's given you power. Power is only as strong as the authority it sets under. Power is only as strong as the authority it sets 
under. The only authority the devil has is what you surrender to him. You see in Matthew 28, 18, the risen Jesus said, All authority on earth, in heaven, and even under the earth has been given to me, he said. That means the devil has no authority. None. Then he told the 70 when he sent them out in Luke 10, 19, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. That means the devil has power, but you have authority over his power. I used the example last week. A sheriff, remember, has a gun. And we've had the sheriff here. I love Sheriff Schendel. I do. And I love it when he comes in his full uniform. Even with that gun on. I like to see. I asked my board one time, would it be okay if I preached sometime with the gun strapped to my side? And they're like, yeah. Ha, 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 ha. Anyway. Sorry. <laughs> but a sheriff has a gun. That's power. The sheriff, though, has a badge. That's authority. He has authority and power. The sheriff also has police officers under him who also have power and authority, yet he has authority over their power and authority. Jesus said, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Why did he say that? Because he has no authority. So he's walking around with a gun with no badge. Who's the new sheriff in town? We are. We have authority over all his power. And he ain't got no authority. Except what you surrender to him. But don't forget that you have also been given power. In Acts 1.8, Jesus told his disciples to wait. For what? For power is coming. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit, the promise, and then you will receive the power you need. That's not just strapping on a little bitty gun. That's strapping on the big kahuna gun. So you got the badge and you're going to get the gun. I like that. And he did not say that that gun would be unloaded, that wouldn't be loaded. It's going to be fully loaded, fully powered. You're not going to be the one bullet Barney from, you know, the, what's that show? What? Andy Griffith show, you know, the one bullet Barney. He carried the one bullet right here in his pocket and his gun. He'd grab it all the time too, but there's no bullets in it. You're not called to be the one bullet Barney. He, when he gives you the Holy Spirit, it's full power. Full power. Full power. So he has given you power. He has given you a sound mind. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle, our fight, is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil 
in the heavenly realms. When you feel like the person standing before you is your enemy, it's a lie. It's a lie. And if you're going through marital problems right now and you feel like your husband or your wife is your enemy, it's a lie from the enemy. He really does try to be like the, uh, you know, sticking his hand behind people and just, you know, yeah, puppeteer. They, they are not your enemy. Don't forget who your real enemy is. Jesus has all authority, and by his authority, he has given us authority over all the power of the enemy, and the enemy knows this. So the only way he can gain power over you is through wrong thinking. That's how you surrender your authority to him. If he can keep you fighting with yourself, your own mind, and uh, I don't know, I don't know, or with somebody in front of you or beside you with each other, then he will keep you from engaging the real enemy, which is him. If you think it's, oh, it's all in my mind and I'm battling and it's horrible, or the person in front of you, you're upset at this person, you're upset at that person, that person offended me, that person offended me, that person offended me, he will love life. Because if he can keep you focusing on other things, then he can masquerade himself around and keep you from engaging him. Because he knows you have been given all authority over him. If that's Jesus calling, please answer. <laughs> I'm here, Lord. I'm here. Don't send him to voicemail, please. Okay. Bill Johnson said, fear is the access point for the thief to come steal, kill, and destroy. Whenever I listen to the lie, I empower the liar. I shared this with you last week, but if you weren't here, you didn't hear it, so I'll say it again. He has no authority over you until you come under him. By listening to him, you agree with the lie, and by agreeing with him, you've surrendered to him. You see, all of mankind fell into sin through this thing. Wrong thinking. In the garden, when Eve entertained the thought that the enemy put in her mind, which was, did God really say that? Hmm. Did God really say that? You know that's still his biggest weapon for today? Because it's the most effective. Why change guns if this one's working fine? Right? Something so small as that little bitty word. Did God really say that? I mean, think about it today. Your conversations that you've had with other people. And you start to share with them and give testimony about God is so good. Really? Did God really do that? Did God really say that? Don't you think that that was just positive thinking? Can you hear the enemy behind that now? Yeah. But when you listen, when you entertain, he's got access and you've surrendered to his authority. That's how he has dominance. No other way. He knows he has no authority over you except what you surrender to him. Here it is, 2 Corinthians 10, 
3 through 5. Let me read this to you. Oh, here, I've got it written down. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension. The definition of pretension means an allegation of doubtful value. A pretension is an allegation of doubtful value. Did he really say that? Let me read that again. We demolish arguments and any allegation that puts doubt in your mind, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You have been given power and authority Jesus is calling again. First one didn't answer. Oh boy. Oh boy. We're here, Lord. We're here. Focus in here. (laughs) You have been given power and authority to take control of every thought, every allegation of doubtful value and line it up with the word to Prove, is it true or is it a lie? Then he says, if it's a lie, take it captive. Why? Because you're the sheriff in town. You're wearing the badge. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You got the gun. Take that sucker captive. And it says, make it obedient to Christ. Throw it down there at the feet of the, of the risen Savior and say, here, you. Right there. You, Lord, said you'd take this. I took it captive and I threw it down and made it obedient to Christ. You are not a victim of your thoughts. Don't let the enemy throw that doubt in there and try to confuse you that Oh, you need to worry about this. Oh, fear about this. Oh, yeah, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? See if he can get your mind going all over the place. You won't be able to engage the real enemy. But every time a thought comes in your mind right here, it says, line it up with the word. Is that true? When the enemy says, did God really say that? Well, let me see. Yeah, uh uh-huh, right here. He did. Well, yeah, but in your life, you know what? You don't have any place here. I'm taking it captive and I'm throwing it down. Make it obedient to Christ. You know, this is one I battled with hard when I gave my life back to the Lord. Because like Paul said, I felt like I was the worst of the worst of all the sinners. And to hear when I would set in a sermon and, or open the Bible and hear God's love is for all. And he loves us and he throws our past as far as the east and from the west. I would hear except for yours. You know, you're going to have to pay for that. You know, everybody else is loved and children of God and accepted and welcomed in. And they have all the resources, but you can set, but you have to set in the back row. 
And you can come, but you can just, you know, eat the scraps off that, you know, you're, you know, like, you, you know, you're the, the dirt on the bottom of the worm's belly, you know? And when God started speaking to me, no, that's for you. No, that's for you. And I'd hear these voices going off. That's a lie. That's, you're that, you know, you're awful. You're bad. You know, nobody wants to look at you. Don't look at people and blah, blah. I had to start putting sticky notes all over the place, especially on my mirror. For some reason, I spend a lot of time there. But anyway, on the mirror. So while I was getting ready, I'm reading these scriptures over and over again. You are a child of the king. You have been given a future and hope. You are forgiven. Yeah, All these things to constantly remind me to battle that and take that thought captive. Nope, that don't line up with the word. Nope, that don't line up with the word. This is what God said. This is what God said. We talked about that in our life group on Thursday night. We're going through the power of a supernatural power of a transformed mind. It's the longest title ever. But he said the same thing. You have to line it up. When you have a thought, line it up. When somebody speaks something to you, line it up. If it's false, you've got to get rid of it right away. Otherwise, you're entertaining the lie and you're empowering the liar. You have to get it, take it away, take it captive quickly, and make it obedient to Christ. So you've been given power and a sound mind, and I want to wrap this up today with focusing on love. Love. So this is where I ask you to turn over to 1 John chapter 4, and we started to jump into this, but last week I knew we just couldn't get into the detail of this. So let's look at it together. 1 John 4. Starting at verse 16, says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. What is the definition of fear? Pending judgment. That you've done something wrong. Oh, you're going to get it in the end. That's fear, right? Faith that something bad is going to happen. How do you have confidence on the day of judgment? Love. This is how we're going to have confidence. Love. There is... Oh, wait a minute. Back up. In this way, love is made complete among us so that... We will have confidence on the day of judgment because. This is how. How. Because in this world we are like him, Jesus. Therefore, or there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect and love so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment this is the truest definition of fear pending judgment perfect love drives out all fear how think of the day you sat at the top of the highest slide in the world or at least you thought it was and heard your dad at the bottom encourage you to let go son it's gonna be fun I'm right here. Come on. 
Or the first time you stood on the diving board. Life jacket around your neck. And your dad in the pool, arms outstretched, saying, jump, come on, son, jump. It's okay, I'm here, I'll catch you. All fear disappears in the face of a perfect father. Perfect love casts out all fear. Nothing can harm you when Papa Daddy is in your face. Don't miss this next part of this scripture. And here's where the secret lies to facing your fears. It says, in this world we are like Jesus. Did you catch that? In this world, we are like Jesus. Who is Jesus? God's one and only son, right? Perfect in all ways. A lamb without spot, without blemish. Perfectly loved, perfectly accepted, given all the all authority, all power. He said, in this world, we are like Jesus. You know how I've been teaching you that to every promise, there's a condition? What's the condition to that promise? We read it first. Whoever lives in love lives in God. That's the condition. Love. We are like Jesus. Do you think Jesus walked around doubting God's love for him? Insecure in his inheritance and the promises of God? No. Because he knew his father. He lived in God's perfect love. Every day, every new challenge, every fear that tried to stop him from trusting his father failed. Because Jesus continued to hear his papa daddy calling out to him. Come on, son. You can do it. Don't fear. I'm right here. I'll catch you. But we can't be like Jesus in this world when we are living in a false identity. When we're believing a lie about ourselves. Too many Christians today are living like orphans instead of sons or daughters. Orphans are in a constant state of survival. We went through this with the few that we adopted. That they go through this survival mode because the world has been rocked. Their love system, their love, their trust has, has been broken. And now they can't, they can't connect with there's somebody that's going to care for me, provide for me, love me unconditionally. I need to fend for myself. And when that love gets broken, they go into survival mode and it's me. I got to do this. I got to get this. I can't let go of this. I have to have this. It's me, me, me. I'll fend for myself. Do you hear Christians living like that today? Oh, they do it with a smile on their face. I'm just taking care of the family. Oh, I would, but I have to. They're selfishly fending for themselves, hoarding, stealing, manipulating, all part of just surviving. They're anchored in this world, thinking that their adoption paper 
is good enough. It says I'm a son. I really don't have to live like a son. It says I am. Jesus died to give us an abundant life. That is not a life that just survives. When you wake up in the morning and you think, boy, if I can just make it through this day, you've already lost. Because you believed a lie. Jesus did not die for you to just survive another day. Hang on till Jesus comes. You remember the pastors preaching that? Remember the pulpit pounding pastors? Just hang on till Jesus comes. Oh, keep me through this trial, Lord. Where's the power in that? He died for us to be the new sheriff in town. All authority, all power. Why? To take back from the enemy what he stole from you. What he stole from your father. With all authority over the enemy, take it back. But here's the real problem. God is pouring out his love to us. We have to receive it. See, orphans, and I, like I said, I, I battled with one of them that was in our, our home, and we adopted and loved and treated him the same as all the rest of the kids. I mean, loved and loved and loved and loved and loved, but he just could not receive it. And every time he would get in trouble, and I would look at him, and what are, what are you doing? What are you trying to accomplish? What, you know, what can we do to help you understand we love you and we got everything here for you and we're, we're trying to help you. And he constantly believed the lie that there was something better out there and that we were keeping him from something. And we would constantly see him walking through, you know, parking lots or wherever he would go. And, you know, I would do the laundry and pick out of his pockets trash that he had picked up. And, and I would bring it back to him and ask him, why did you pick this up? I mean, you know, trash. He's like, well, I could use that someday. And we would find like dry packets of Raymond noodles, you know, and he would eat the dry. And I'm like, you didn't have anything you want in that kitchen. Anything. There's no food being held back from you. And yet you steal a packet of Raymond noodles and eat them dry. Seriously. Because he couldn't receive the love that we were trying to pour out on him. And we were baffled to understand. And we went through counseling and took him everywhere we could. Help us. Help him. Help us. What can we do? And it was as simply as if he can't open up and receive that love, he will constantly be in that state of survival. And I heard a horrible, horrible true story. And it just awakened, you know, the reality of what we went through, of course, not in this extreme case, but where a Christian couple, young couple, married not even three years, tried and tried and tried, couldn't have any children. And finally, they was praying and praying and praying, and, and God directed them to adopt and adopt from this orphanage. And so they, you know, two years into their marriage, and so they started researching this orphanage and found out there was a two-year-old boy that was born around the time that they were married. And so they just knew that that was a God connection. But the 
um, orphanage tried to warn them that um, he was a terror. At two years old, he had seen so much already that he was so broken, they didn't think that he would be able to fit in a home. And this couple's like, no, you don't understand. We have so much love, and God's pouring his love through us, and, you know, it, we, it's okay. And so they put him on a plane, sent him up to their house. And months later, you know, they're doing everything for him. They're loving him, caring for him, kissing on him. Uh, the dad walked into the kitchen to find a horrific scene of the two family dogs um, brutally um, torn apart, two of the dogs, while the two-year-old sat hunched over the dog food, eating the dog food. Eight inches on one side of him was a pantry with his favorite cookies, full of his favorite cookies. Twelve inches the other way was a refrigerator full of food. He could have anything he wanted, but he couldn't receive it. Because he was still living as an orphan. You will never step into the identity that you have been given in Christ until you can receive God's love. And so I want us to close today and probably every week while we're going through this, this series. That you cannot stand against fear until you can receive God's perfect love. And so while I was worshiping even today, one of the things we're going to pray for is like I was describing that, that broken love. If something's happened in your past and somebody has broken, whether it was a father figure or an adult figure or whatever, has broken that, that love in you. And it's put you in a state of survival that you can't receive God's love. We're going to pray. And I got a promise from God that he's going to restore broken love today. And so I even had Shannon get me a sticky note and write that down because I don't want to forget. That's a promise. God said he's going to restore broken love today so that your heart can open up to him and receive his perfect love. So Amy, if you would come back, I want to share with you. That while Pastor Neil and Deborah were praying back on October 3rd, God gave them this message. It says, a word from God to our church family. God says, the more you accept my love for you personally, the more your identity as my child will be established in you. The more your identity as my child is established and your false identity is removed, which brings disease and self-doubt, the greater the power of my kingdom will become manifest through you. Because I love you, I will set you on high where none can hinder you or harm you. Because I love you, I lead you into pleasant paths and go before you. My love, God says, will guide you, my child. Come into your identity in my perfect love. My love will shine through you, touching the world around you. And the scripture he gave was Psalm 91, 14 through 16 says, Because 
You have delighted in me as your great lover. I will greatly protect you. I will set you in a high place, safe and secure, before my face. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray. And you will find and feel my presence even in your time of pressure and trouble. I will be your glorious hero and give you a feast. You will be satisfied with a full life and with all that I do for you. For you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. I believe we're going to focus on three things at the altar time right now. The first one, worry. The war in your mind. Worry, anxiety. The war in your mind. Those thoughts that run rampant. We're going to pray for love. That restoring broken love. And we're going to pray for cancer. Cancer has been defeated. And we heard again this morning a promise, a testimony is a promise that what he's done for one, he'll do for you. Because his word says he's no respecter of people. What he's done for one, he'll do for the other. We're going to pray. We're going to actually worship worry out of your life. Louis Giglio said that, that worship and worry can't be in the same mouth at the same time. Through worshiping, you push worry out. It displaces worry. And so if you're struggling with worry or anxiety today, with negative thoughts or even doubting thoughts, we're going to worship. And I want you to go full throttle. When I close, I want you to come up here and go full throttle. I don't care. Dance as if nobody is looking full throttle. Worship the worry out. And I want the ones who have been struggling with somehow, and I know there's more than just a few, that you have broken love in your life. And that's what's caused you to not be able to receive that perfect love. You need to receive God's love. Remember, the more you accept God's love for you personally, the more your identity as his child will be established in you. That was a word from God for us. And also, I want us, when we stand up, if you have cancer or you know somebody with cancer, I want you to come up front because cancer has already been defeated. So would you just stand up this morning? And if this... I want the prayer team coming up. And again, if you have broken love, if you have cancer, know somebody with cancer, come on up. If you've been battling with worry or anxious thoughts or, or doubting thoughts, come up front. We're going to pray for you. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. We're going to worship worry out of here. We're going to worship worry right out of here. Restoring. God, you said you're going to restore broken love today. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Mm.